Well, we are in our next to uh, last uh, sermon in First Peter. So if you turn to First Peter chapter 5, uh, we're going to take this week and next week to uh, finish up uh, this great letter. I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed walking through its pages. You know, as I begin a book, I don't know where God's going to take us in this book. And as I study and uh, as I hear other pastors who uh, uh, <clears throat> preach this as well, um, I have a greater appreciation for a book as we've walked through it verse by verse. And I hope you do as well. So, let me read um, verses 1 through uh, 7 this morning. Peter says this, So I exhort the elders among you as, fellow, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Um, we are in the middle of two proclamations as we uh, look at uh, these first uh, seven verses. The, the first proclamation is back in chapter 4, uh, beginning with verse 17 that uh, Craig shared with us last week. And uh, this proclamation, Peter says this, in verse 17, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and it begins with us. So that's the first proclamation. And the second proclamation is in verse 4 of chapter 5. Verse 4 says this, And when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So between those two proclamations, uh, Peter has some words of instruction for us that, uh, that it are important to, uh, to hear. Yes, judgment is going to come, and it's going to start with the house of God, it's going to start with God's people, and when it does, Peter says, chapter 4, verse 19, um, Peter says this, Let those who suffer according to God's will 
entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Yes, hard times are going to come, but this is God's will for our life, for their life in the first century, and you need to keep trusting your soul to a faithful creator who has it all under control and keep doing good don't give up don't grow discouraged and quit this is god's will for our life church all right and so with that proclamation in mind and knowing that as we are faithful there is going to be a reward we are going to receive a crown that is never going to fade away you know uh, when people received a crown in the first century when uh, there were competitions that were occurring they would receive a, a crown it would be kind of a flower arrangement um, that would be worn on their head but that was a crown that was a victor's crown that was going to fade away. It wasn't going to last forever. Just kind of like the, 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 the bride's bouquet on her wedding day. It dries up and dies. But the Bible says the crown that we are going to receive in verse 4 is going to be an unfading crown of glory that is never going to pass away. So, understanding those two proclamations, what is Peter sharing with us this morning? He's going to start with the elders. Okay, the elders, the church. He's going to be, he's talking about verses 1 through 3. He's talking about the, the, uh, the elders' responsibility, the shepherds' responsibility. And in verse 1, Peter says this, So I exhort the elders among you as, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Paul, or Peter starts with identifying himself with these elders. Yes, he is an apostle. And he is, he has unique authority because he was a witness of the sufferings and the glory of Christ. Uh, he was a first, uh, he was a first-hand witness, just like the other disciples, of all that Christ did. And so this qualified them as unique leaders in the, uh, the first century church as it was getting started. But even though he is set apart as an, as an apostle, at the same time he's saying, guys, I'm just like you. I am a fellow elder as well. I am one of you. And so he's not talking down to them. He is talking as one of them. I am... But he says, I am an eyewitness of the suffering of Christ. That might set me apart, but you know what? As I was an eyewitness of his suffering, I'm not very proud 
of how I responded as an eyewitness. Okay? Yeah, I'm an apostle. I'm unique. But I've made mistakes too. I want to go back to that mistake for a minute and just revisit how how Peter responded when uh, Jesus was uh, going through his his trial before his crucifixion. Look at uh, Matthew chapter 26, verses 69 through 75. Um, You know, Peter had been, prior to this moment, Peter had been full of pride. He didn't want Jesus to suffer. And he was willing to defend Christ at whatever cost to keep Jesus from suffering. And Jesus told Peter, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You, you don't know what you're saying. It is meant for me to suffer and to die and then three days later come back to life. And then... Uh, <clears throat> Um, you know, and Peter says, God forbid it, I'll, you can always count on me. And Jesus says, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And that very thing took place. Look at verse 69. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. And a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And he went out to the entrance, and another servant girl saw him. And she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it, with an oath. I do not know the man. You know, so help me on my mother's grave. I don't know this guy. I don't know what the oath was, but he had made an oath. Verse 73. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. So help me, if I'm lying to you, may God strike me dead. I don't know this guy. And then he begins to curse. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. You know, and so when we go back to 1 Peter chapter 5, you know, he says, I was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And then how I botched that. And I want you to know, guys, I am one of you. 
in my, even though I had botched it, oh, the grace of God in my life. And we're going to get to that in a moment, okay? But uh, I've been a witness of his sufferings. And Peter also says, and I have been a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. I've seen his glory, guys. I saw his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. I saw his glory when he came back from the grave. Fellow elders, this isn't fake news. This is real. And just as I had seen it the first time, he says he's coming back in all his glory for all of us. We can trust this. I am here with you. And even though we are to go through a time of of suffering, which may require us to to die ourselves, we're going to receive a reward. You can count on it. It's, it's, it's a hope that is going to last forever. It is a living hope that you can go to the bank with. This is true. This is God's will. And so, in the meantime, as we're going through the suffering, elders, it's really important that you fulfill your role. And your role is this, to shepherd God's flock. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. You know, a shepherd's role is elevated in a time of suffering. It is really important that we not abandon ship. That we need to be there for the sheep. That we need to be that shepherd. This is our calling. And when Peter says to shepherd God's flock, he's thinking of his own calling. Turn to John chapter 21. We've already... We've already seen how Peter blew it. Well, when Jesus came back from the grave, um, Jesus wanted to test Peter's heart. Jesus wanted to know where Peter's heart was at. And he asked Jesus, or Peter a series of questions. Look at verse 15. John 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, Do you love me? Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, 
tend my sheep. And Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third, the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, this is referring to Peter, Jesus' words now, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress and dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. This was Peter's calling. Jesus had called Peter to feed and tend his sheep. That is what a shepherd is supposed to do. Like what uh, one author, I can't think of the book right now, I'm sorry, the author was um, uh, Edmund uh, Clowney. And uh, in his commentary, uh, he says this, about caring for sheep the the care of a pastors the care of pastors for their flock will be proportional to their care for the lord in order from my role as your your pastor shepherd elder one of one of six in this church actually one of eight in this church my effectiveness will be in proportion of how well I love Jesus, how intimate Jesus is in my life. And as I am walking with him, as I am fellowshipping with him, as I am spending time with him, I will be more, far more effective in shepherding God's flock. Peter understood this. Yes, I love you, Jesus. And Jesus says, if you love me, Peter, shepherd my people, shepherd my sheep, tend my flock. This is our calling. And Jesus wanted to know where Peter's heart was at. Our love for Christ will kindle our love for God's people. God's people whom Christ died for himself. So the point, my responsibility is to love you, to care for you, but most most importantly is to point you to the chief shepherd. The good shepherd, whom will never, ever fail you. This is our role. This is our responsibility as elders.
But it is the chief shepherd who is going to be the shepherd, who is the shepherd of your soul. Look, Go back to 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2, verse 25. 1 Peter 2.25, the Bible says, For you were straying like sheep, but now but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And so Jesus is there for every one of us. He's there for me. And we need to be living our lives in such a way that we are following him. It's only him that matters. So don't try to put me or any one of the other elders on a pedestal and try to worship us. Because we're going to fail you. Our responsibility is to feed you the Word of God so that you know the heart of God, what God's will for your life is. All right? That, so that is my responsibility. That is our responsibility as elders is to feed the flock, God's flock. Now, how do we do this? Verses 2 and 3 of chapter 5. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Okay, so here's how we are supposed to do it. Now, um, I want you to know, understand that when it comes to shepherding, I have some personal experience with shepherding. I was a sheep herder for five days. Yeah. Uh, early in my ministry, I was the uh, youth pastor at Emmanuel and Highland. I was green behind the ears, and uh, I very... Uh, proudly and boldly went to my pastor uh, one fall, anticipating Christmas, and I asked, Pastor Rob, can I do a living nativity at Christmas time? And Pastor Rob, in all of his wisdom, said to me, well, you've laid that egg, now you go hatch it. Yes, you can do that. And so I went about and I did that. And you know what? He didn't lift a finger. He just entrusted that to me because that was my idea. And I didn't have a whole lot of wisdom back then. And uh, I thought, you know, well, this living nativity scene is not going to be too hard. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, well, I did secure someone's backyard across the street from my church. And so I thought, well, that'll be easy. Uh, transporting these sheep won't be too hard. The owners of the, I went to the owners of the sheep to see if we could borrow the sheep for five days. And they said, sure, and we'll even bring them to you. So they dropped them off in this backyard of this family across the street. And uh, I was to um, get them back and forth from the backyard to the church each night. I'm thinking to myself, how hard would this be? And, you know, I didn't think about renting an animal trailer. 
I just thought to myself, you know what? Our church has a 15-passenger van with carpet, with carpet on the inside. I'll just take the seats out of this van and I'll put the, the sheep in this van. <laughs> yeah, oh gosh. For five consecutive days. And so I went over to the house, I, I got the sheep, and I didn't know really how the sheep were going to respond. But you know what? Those, those sheep are really docile. Uh, they didn't fight me or anything. I just eat, went up to each one. I think I had seven sheep. And so one by one, I would pick up the sheep, just like the good shepherd, <laughs> carry it over to the van, put it into the van, slam the door, go back and get another one. And, uh, and got in the van and uh, went over to church. And when I got in the van and put it in drive and I started to go, guess what? The sheep started to go too, if you know what I mean. And that happened for five consecutive nights. You can imagine how ripe this van smelled at the end. Of, oh, and I've got a lot of other stories to tell you, but I don't have time to do that. But I just want you to know that I'm an expert sh- uh, sheep herder um, as we go through this passage of Scripture this morning, all right? But uh, what does Peter tell us elders in verses 2 and 3? He said, shepherd the flock that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Now, when I look at that verse uh, to begin with, I'm thinking to myself, or the word the word is saying, as shepherds, you are to lead these sheep, uh, not drive them. Cowboys drive cattle, but shepherds, they lead sheep. Look at verse 3. Not for shameful game, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. If we're going to be effective shepherds, elders in the church... We need to be leading sheep. We need to be setting the example. And I believe that Peter has in his mind uh, Jesus washing the feet of the disciples and telling them, I'm doing this as an example to you. That is, shepherds, shepherding God's flock, that we need to lead as servants that we need to put on that apron and we need to serve, lead humbly uh, God's people. That's the first thing I see in this passage of Scripture. Now, I want you to know that in this church, your elders want to humbly lead God's flock here. Every one of them. We have we have eight elders total in our church. Two have rotated off right now because uh, you can only serve at four years at a time. But once an elder, always an elder. Uh, 
But I want you to know that those who have rotated off and those who are currently serving, they want to lead us and not drive us. They are here to serve you. And they are here to serve me. And they're, they're a blessing in my life. But when Peter talks, when Paul shares with Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the qualifications for an elder, those are meant to be taken seriously. Because it takes a certain kind of person to shepherd, to lead God's people. And I want you to know that every one of the men in our church are spiritually qualified to do so. Because you have looked at their life, we have looked at their life, and we have brought names before you of people whom we think are qualified to serve as elders, and you have affirmed them. If we're going to shepherd the flock of God, number one, Peter says, guys, lead them. Don't dominate them. Don't prod them along from behind. No, you set the example. You be the leader. Be that individual that they can follow. The second thing we see in this passage of Scripture is, as a shepherd, shepherd the flock, it's really important that shepherds find pastures where the sheep can be fed, where the sheep can be watered. Our responsibility as elders in this church is to feed the flock. And so to be an elder requires you to be able to teach others. But to feed God's people. Um... I don't know if you've driven up 395. Um, you know, as you're heading up 395, as you're heading to, to Mammoth, before you get to Mammoth, there's, a, there's another lake on the right-hand side that you will see. It's called Lake Crawley. Well, before you get to Lake Crawley, um, probably about three miles or so before that exit, there is a beautiful pasture on the left-hand side of the freeway, of the highway as you're heading north. There's beautiful, lush, green fields. There is a quiet stream of fresh water that runs through the middle of that field. And at certain times of the season, you'll see hundreds of sheep out there with a shepherd. And the sheep are grazing. The sheep are doing what sheep are supposed to do. And they're following their shepherd's lead. And I I see that is the picture of the church. As we come together on, on Sunday morning, as we are in Bible study classes uh, on Sunday morning or in life groups during the week, we are looking specifically at the Word of God. 
That is our role. That is our responsibility as elders, teachers in this church, is for all of us to feed on the Word of God. We want you to know what the Word of God says. Because these are the words of life. And so we're not going to spend our time on any truth. We're going to be focusing on God's truth in this place. And I appreciate the fact that you all want to know truth. You want to know what the Word of God says. I appreciate our, our women and the time that they take to spend in the Word of God and and choosing uh, Bible studies where authors are going to um, focus on the Word of God. You know, just recently our, our ladies went to a retreat here in Southern California, and they were disappointed in the speaker at that retreat because she didn't focus on the Word of God. She was just talking about her personal experience and what Jesus was doing in her life. And they didn't open the scriptures. And so you know what the ladies did? They went back to their cabins and they opened the Word. And they talked about what the Word says. And that is critical as a church that we know what the word says because church there's a lot of false teachers out there today and so you need to know the truth from error and so as elders it's really important that we share with you God's word so that you can know the truth and we do this because we want to guard you from wolves. Okay, the Bible says as elders we need to be exercising oversight over you. We are here to protect you. We are here to tell you the truth. <clears throat> this was very important to Paul that elders do this. Look at Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, and um, beginning with verse 28. He wanted to meet with the elders of Ephesus one last time before uh, going to Jerusalem. And Paul says this to the elders in verse 28. He says this, Pay careful attention to yourselves, and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from, look at this, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease day or night to, to admonish every one of you 
with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. We are here, church, as your elders, to guard against the wolves, to exercise, exercise godly oversight. And I want you to know that it is more important than ever before, I believe. Because it is getting harder and harder to distinguish the true from the false. And you need to be under godly leadership who is, who is teaching you the word of God. We are here to protect you. And as elders, we want to do this willingly. We want to do this eagerly. We want to do this selflessly. We want to do this humbly and be an example to all of you. But praise God, we have a chief shepherd who is exercising protection, oversight over you as well. He is the overseer of your soul, and he is not going to allow anyone to snatch you out of his hand. So we guard the flock, we feed the flock, and we lead the flock. And then in verse 4, as I mentioned just a moment ago, there is an unfading crown of glory that awaits those who fulfill this responsibility. So Peter is telling the elders, this is tough stuff, guys. I'm in this with you. I am one of you. Don't shy away from this. God has purchased this flock with His Son's own precious blood. Shepherd them. Be there for them. Prepare them for what is about to come. And God will reward you. What you do is highly significant. And then we see this in verses 5 and 6. He talks to the pastors, the elders, and then in verse 5 he talks about the sheep's responsibility. Verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Your responsibility as sheep is to subject yourselves to the elders. And you are to clothe yourself in humility. Not just to the elders, but to the others around you as well. We are to live in humility 
Because God is opposed to the proud. And so my question to you as sheep, are you willing to submit yourself to the authority of elders? Because sheep need a shepherd. Sheep can't go it alone. Sheep need spiritual protection. Sheep are a very funny animal. You know, they're not like dogs. They're not like pigeons, you know, who might wander off. They might be able to find their way home. But sheep, if they wander off, just they stay lost. They can't find themselves themselves back home. Man, they are a mild and timid creature. You know, sheep are highly vulnerable to predators. They need a shepherd. Have you ever seen a a sign that says, Beware of lamb? (laughs) Or, Beware of sheep? Or, Guard sheep on duty? You know, if we see that kind of sign, we're not going to be very intimidated, are we? Because we know how sheep respond. God created sheep in need of a shepherd. I like what one professor of philosophy said. He said this, The existence of sheep is evidence against the theory of evolution. There is no way sheep could have have survived the process. Absolutely no way. The theory of evolution, you know, is contingent on survival of the fittest. Sheep are at the bottom of the food chain. If If sheep are going to survive, they have to humbly submit themselves to the watch care of the shepherd. And as the shepherds of this church, it is our responsibility to reflect, to model the good shepherd. As you can trust and follow our leadership you are going to be able to trust and follow his leadership. And I've met a lot, some Christians who have been part of other churches where that they've been under poor leadership. And it's difficult for them to humbly submit themselves to pastoral leadership, new pastoral leadership when, when they go to a new church. But this is God's will for your life, friend. You are a sheep. And guess what? I am a sheep too. And I have to submit myself to the leadership of the Good Shepherd. I have to submit myself to the leadership of the other elders. Because you know what? The other elders have my best interest at heart. 
And there have been moments where the other elders have told me in love, Pastor, you have overstepped your bounds. Step back, Pastor, and allow us to do, to be that voice in your life. And I may not have appreciated it much in the, very much in the moment, but as I've stepped back and thought through that process, they have been a gift in my life. A gift of protection for me. Church, we are to be a gift of protection for you. You need a shepherd. And God's will for your life, according to Peter, is that you humbly submit yourself to their authority. Because life's going to get hard. You're going to go through suffering. And if you're not under a shepherd's authority, you're going to be, you're going to be eaten alive. We have been going over this topic of suffering over and over again. You know why? Because Peter mentions it over and over again. He mentions it 21 times. And elders need to step up and fulfill their responsibility. And sheep need to step up and humbly fulfill their responsibility as well. And it's not just sheep humbling themselves, but it is all of us humbling ourselves and being there for each other. Look again at verse um, 5. Likewise, you younger ones, submit to the elders, clothe yourselves with all humility, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud and but gives grace to the humble. And then verse 6, again, he's speaking to all of us now. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. For some of you, humbling yourselves might create a lot of anxiety in your life. Because you've been burned before. And all I can say is that you listen for the, at the heart of the elders. You look at their lives. Are their lives lining up with God's Word? What are their homes like? What is their relationship like with their spouse, with their children? How do they respond in conflict, in trying to put out the, the fires rather than bringing gasoline to those moments? And then you trust the good shepherd that this earthly shepherd is the individual or and or individuals that God would have you submit yourself under their authority. Again, 
These are men who are not to be authoritarian dictators in your life. They're humbly willing uh, to lead. But pointing us to the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, who is our faithful creator in chapter 3, verse 19, who is the overseer of our soul, chapter 2, verse 25. And when we submit ourselves, when we choose to live a humble life under their authority, guess what? The Bible says in verse 5, He gives grace to the humble. We're going to experience God's blessing, God's peace, God's power, God's strength in difficult times in our life. He's opposed to the proud. But the Bible says he gives grace to the humble. Again, this can create anxiety. It's hard for you to humble yourself before others. Look what verse 7 says. Verse 7 says this, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Where does this anxiety come from? It comes from verse 5 and 6 where he's talking about Humbling yourself, submitting to other people's authority. That might be hard for you to do. Peter says, cast, verse 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Are you anxious this morning? God says, cast all your anxieties on him. I brought a fishing pole this morning. Ellie, can you come up here for a second? She was practicing her casting um, a little at, at my house this morning for this illustration. Okay? Now I'm going to go easy on you guys this morning. We're going to see how um, um, accurate. Her casting is. I'm going to go easy on. I only have one treble hook on this uh, lure here, okay? And uh, and Ellie, I want, and and it's it's going to be a little easier on you this morning because this is a holiday weekend, so we've got a lot of empty spaces out here, okay? But I want you to cast this lure and see how well you do this morning. Not really. I don't want you to use this lure. I, I heard a few gasps in the audience. I, I wouldn't do that to you, sheep, okay? But I do have a Christian pole. And this was the pole that uh, you practiced with this morning out in the front yard. And so, Ellie, I want you to practice what the Bible says, Okay. Bible says, cast all your anxieties upon him. 
Okay, so I want you to do that. I want you to cast that and try to um, see if you can put it in the baptistry over there, okay? Well, you missed. You hit John. Sorry, John. But that was a good first try, okay? Now, Ellie, I, I want you to reel that in, okay? What? What do you mean you can't? Oh, it's missing the reel. Like I said, this is a Christian pole. Okay? The Bible says, cast all your cares upon him. And then reel them back in. Is that what it says? No. We can't cast, we can't reel them back in, can we? Oh, we do a really good job at trying to reel them in, don't we? Okay, because we want to hold on to those cares. You know what the Bible says? Let go of those cares. Let it go. Cast your cares upon Him. Why? Because He cares for you. He is the overseer of your soul. Oh, yeah, he knows you've wandered away from time to time. But you've experienced his grace, haven't you, when you came back to him? Just like Peter. Do you love him? Submit yourself to the authority of of the elders in the church. He is the overseer of your soul. He is your faithful creator. All things that are happening in your life right now aren't happening because you are separated from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love. If your life is in Christ, nothing separates you from Him. And everything that you're going through, whether it's 21 times or more, it's all for your good and for His glory. He is your guardian. He is your safekeeper. And He is not going to let you go. And He's not going to let anybody take you out of His hand. Christian, you need to know the Word. Suffering is going to happen. God is working through all of it. And so cast it away. Cast your anxieties. What is eating you alive? Peter says, cast your anxieties on Him. Because He cares for you. Let's pray. Father, thank You. You know the anxious thoughts of your children right now. 
you've told us what you want us to do. God, sometimes it's really hard to submit ourselves, to humble ourselves under the authority of others and trust you for what you want to accomplish. I just remember that moment in my life where the elders came to me and said, Bill, stop. Let us take this on for you. And as hard as that was, what a blessing it was. And I thank you, Father, that that is the heart of the elders of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Lord, help us to humbly and eagerly and willingly put an apron on and serve the sheep of this church. And may the sheep of this church know how important it is to submit themselves to the shepherd. God, this is your design for the church because you want them to be protected. You want them to be well fed and cared for. God, help us to to do our best, but to know that, God, we need to constantly point to you as our chief and good shepherd that will never fail us. But help us to be faithful. Help us to always remember that, Jesus, you forever care. And you can be completely trusted. We love you. And we look to you in this moment. And in this week, and Father, I pray for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.